Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? Going pretty good, been celebrating this week. Yes, you had a birthday. I did, I had a birthday. I wasn't just celebrating that, I was also celebrating the end of the presidential debates. No more of that for four more years. Yes, a lot of people seem to be celebrating that with a sigh of relief. It's been pretty crazy. But you mentioned my birthday, had a great birthday dinner with Mike Harland, who's also celebrating. Uh, It was his birthday Sunday, actually, Uh, and had uh, dinner with he and his wife, and Beth and I went out with them on Monday night uh, to a place here in town, and we also celebrated his Dove win. He won a Dove Award. That is very exciting. He's very deserving of that. Did he bring it with him to dinner? He he did not. He he is a a humble man. That would have been awkward to put it on. Where'd you guys go? Kane Prime. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would have been so awkward to bring your Dove Award and put it on the table, but kind of cool at the same time. Yes, it would be. And like we said, Dove Awards last week, I could have gone had I been here in town possibly. Yes. But uh, maybe next year we will cover it for SBC this week since you know we had an SBC winner this year in Mike Harlan. So yes. Mike Harlan, for those of you who don't know, Mike Harlan's the director of Lifeway Worship and uh, here in Nashville with me, a member of Brentwood Baptist and uh, won for Best Musical and won a Dove Award. So, and he's only three behind you now, Amy. Well, I've not won any Dove Awards. Uh, they, don't, they don't give you were the... On Dove, you sang on Dove Award winning albums. Yes. Uh, they don't give the Dove Awards to the children's choirs, though. So. Oh, well... But well, it's kind of exciting to be on the albums. It is kind of cool. So if if you hadn't been on there, I'm sure it wouldn't have won. Oh, I pushed it over the top. I'm, I'm sure you did. Yeah. I, I mean, there's no doubt about that. So before we get going this week, I want to thank our sponsor. I am going the new book from authors Danny Aiken and Bruce Riley Ashford. They are calling today's church members to lives of going, where they're going around the world or to people right where they live going out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Between the two of them, Aiken and Ashford have trained thousands of men and women in both the mandates and methods for going to every nation. Now they have created this resource for individuals and churches to use together and calling even more to go. You can find out more about I Am Going at Lifeway.com and pick up a copy over at Lifeway.com or at your local Lifeway Christian store. Speaking of Lifeway, first news of the week, the new research from Lifeway Research last week about who and evangelicals will be voting for this year. 45% say Donald Trump, 31% Hillary Clinton, 9% say a third party, and there's a 15% undecided. Of that 9%, 8% of those are actually 8 of the 9% are voting for Gary Johnson, they say. Yes, the the other 1% uh, just kind of spread across other candidates, I guess. It says voting for other candidates. So um, Important to note on this, the timing of the research, Amy. Yes, this was... um, a survey taken uh, from September 27 to October 1. So this is before the second presidential debate. This is before uh, sort of the dropping of a number of things, WikiLeaks, uh, tapes, things like that, uh, that have really stirred up the conversation. Yeah. And this, before the Evan McMullen search. Right. This, was ta- this, this survey was taken before that. But still, uh, I mean, it was just a few just a few weeks ago, which shows yeah. how quickly things are happening right now. Man, um, do they ever. Yeah, but it tells, uh, it has some very interesting details. I think the more interesting pieces are in sort of the specifics when you go down uh, in the the layers. So the one that was most uh, interesting to me is the question was asked, again, this is Americans with evangelical beliefs. Uh 
that it asks which characteristic of a candidate is most important in deciding how to cast your vote. Uh, and the number one answer was uh, the economy at 26%. Uh, second was maintain national security was at 22%. And then everything else was below 20. Personal character, 15. Uh, likely Supreme Court nominees, 10. Uh, religion freedom, seven, immigration, five, and position on abortion uh, at 4%. And then 11% was none of none of those. But that was interesting to me uh, to, to see. Economy is at the top, position on abortion being at the bottom. That was interesting to me. And, uh, you know, you kind of lump those Supreme Court, religious freedom, abortion. Those are kind of the big three that have been touted as uh, a lot of the reasoning behind people voting for Trump, we've we've seen article after article after article, it seems, about that. So right. to see those that far down on the, the reasons that people are voting uh, was a, a little bit surprising. Even when you add them up, it's about 21%. That would still put that about third uh, right. on the reason for evangelicals to be voting yeah. for uh, their candidate. Yeah, so it's very, very interesting uh, to, to see that. I'm still kind of processing that. Uh, also, and this is not a surprise, but when they when they break down the demographics in uh, ethnic groups, um, white evangelicals, uh, 65% planning to vote for Donald Trump. Other ethnicities uh, among evangelicals, 62% planning to vote for Hillary Clinton. Um, I, I think that's interesting, and it mirrors what we see in the uh, wider culture public, just yeah. among Americans mm-hmm. in general. Yeah, and then whenever you look at Democrats versus Republicans, of the Democrats, 9% uh, plan on voting for Trump. Of Republicans, only 1%. These are registered Republicans uh, who are in this. Only 1% plan on voting for Hillary Clinton. 75% of each are voting for their respective party right. nominee. Right. And I, I want to, you know, you can read the the release uh, in, in Baptist Press. Very good. Uh, Scott McConnell always breaks it down really well for us. Uh but the way they do this is they ask 1,000 representative Americans uh, four questions about core evangelical beliefs. And then those who strongly agree with all four are the ones who qualify in that way. So this isn't just people saying, hey, are you evangelical? Yes, I'm evangelical. Because um, we talk about that a little bit. Maybe what it means to you isn't what it means to me, you know, things like that. This isn't self-identifying. This is actually defining evangelicals by belief and then, you know, asking them then for whom do you plan to vote? So that makes that even more interesting. Yeah. So uh, just a a quick note on that. If you're wondering how that compares to previous uh, presidential elections, we don't really have uh, apples and apples to compare from Lifeway Research. We have apples and oranges here. Uh, But whenever you kind of think about it, because we're talking about evangelicals, not Protestant pastors, which have been surveyed in the past, Evangelicals, a lot wider range of beliefs and a lot wider range of uh, perceptions and perspectives uh, than a Protestant pastor. In 2012, Romney had 57% of Protestant pastors vote, Obama 17. And then in 2008, McCain was at 55, Obama at 20% then. So uh, to see it at you know 45% for Trump this time, uh, it kind of makes you wonder, yeah, that sounds about right. It seems low. Whenever you start thinking about the the width of the beliefs of evangelicals versus Protestant pastors only, it, it actually makes pretty good sense. Yeah, very interesting stuff. Some more Lifeway research. Uh, 20 Southern Baptist churches were featured in the Outreach Magazine Top 100 Fastest Growing 
and largest reporting churches. Uh, reporting because uh, not every church is included in that, only ones that report. Uh, but uh, the biggest one, no surprise, uh, biggest Southern Baptist church, New Spring Church, Anderson, South Carolina, also the uh, the fastest growing Southern Baptist church as well. We'll be interested to see how that shapes up next year after uh, the, the change in leadership over there with Perry Noble resigning earlier this year. Uh, so kind of keep an eye on that whenever that reports next year. Always a fascinating edition of the Outreach Magazine. I, I think, Amy, there was one in your area, though, uh, yes. that uh, Southeastern grad uh, over in Winston-Salem, right? Uh, Greensboro, actually. Greensboro, sorry. Yeah, Greensboro. Mercy Hill Church uh, was number 25 on uh, the the fastest growing list. It's growing 48% in attendance, adding 487 worshipers for an average of 1,500. Uh, so yeah, he's a graduate. And earlier this year, we actually did a, a short documentary, Maria Estes, on uh, the communications team at Southeastern produced a uh, about a three and a half minute documentary about uh, Andrew and the work they're doing at Mercy Hill Church. So we'll throw that in the sh- uh, in the show notes as well. So a lot of Southern Baptist churches in there that you would expect: Second Baptist, Houston, the Summit Church, uh, Bellevue Baptist, a, a bunch of the churches uh, that you have, uh, that we have come to know and love yes. in the SBC are in that top 100. So congratulations to all 20 of those. And uh, tis the season, Amy, for trustee reports. You guys had your trustee meeting last week. Uh, this past week was uh, reports from Southwestern in New Orleans. Over in Southwestern, thanks to the Texan Online and Tammy Ledbetter, uh, we got a report on a new MA in philosophy degree, uh, as well as some new faculty and a media uh, policy that has been put in place that was in response to the messenger uh, at the Southern Baptist Convention that asked all the entities about their media policies. They passed a, a response to that motion, as well as electing some new faculty and uh, Katie McCoy, uh, the Assistant yeah. Professor of Theology and Women's Studies. It's very exciting. Uh, she's been around has written a lot uh, for their biblical woman site. And I think it's even run that site for a while uh, and just does a lot of great work there at Southwestern. So that's neat to see her joining Candy Finch and others uh, as a, a, to, to teach theology in women's studies. And uh, one other item of note in that Timothy deal named the Dean of the Southwestern center for extension education over at Southwestern. So congratulations to all who were elected to the faculty at Southwestern. Another entity report that we had this week is from New Orleans, and some big news out of this one, the launching of the Adrian Rogers Center for Preaching uh, at the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary down in New Orleans, and uh, that's going to be kind of a joint effort with the Dean of the Chapel, uh, which is led by Adam Hughes. So Adam will serve as the New Orleans Baptist Theological Professor of Expository Preaching, Dean of the Chapel, and the director of the Rogers Center when it launches in January 2017. Uh, yes, and they uh, also had some a couple other things, one being the uh, MDiv, their MDiv curriculum revision, which uh, they, they kept it. It's an 84-hour degree, moved from nine hours of free electives to 12 uh, just to allow more options for individual students. They made some adjustments to some courses, it looks like, and just giving giving options so that students can better tailor their degree plan. So we've, we've been talking about this a lot 
over the last uh, several months, year, a number of our seminaries have been revising their MDiv programs. I think uh, this is something that kind of will happen regularly in theological education about every 10 years or so. You see the landscape, you see ministry and how um, things are changing, and schools want to prepare their students to pastor in the current day. And so they look at their MDiv and say, does this prepare them for uh, the situations that they are going into? And so New Orleans is uh, just coming along and doing that as well. Elected some professors to the faculty there as well and uh, approved three new certificate training sites in the state of Georgia and moved one in Florida. So all the information about that is at spcthisweek.com. We got the link to that, but kind of neat to see a uh, a center for preaching named after the, the late great Adrian Rogers. Yes. Uh, Not only is this trustee meeting time, this is also state convention meeting time. We started to get some reports in from those. Uh, We got two of them this week, Uh, one from New York, one from Indiana. Starting in New York, budget passed of $2.0634 million, uh, which includes an increase in CP giving up from 27.5% last year to 28.5% this year. Uh, That's a 3.5% increase over the last two years. Uh, they were 25% back in 2015. So uh, an increased giving to the cooperative program from a frontier state of uh, with a really small budget. And when you look at it, a $2 million budget up there in New York. So uh, congratulations to them. Yeah. And, you know, we always have a lot of conversations. People are, are talking around, you know, 50-50 uh, being the goal. When we look at these meetings, as you just said, small budget, $2 million. When you look, uh, 35 churches were represented at their state convention, which is really different than what uh, you or I might see in Tennessee and uh, North churches Carolina. churches that have 35 representatives alone at the state right, convention. <laughs> right, yeah. So they had 90, re- 90 registered messengers um, and 21 guests for a total of 35 churches. So when we talk about the the state conventions in these frontier states, uh, there's a lot of need where they are, and uh, there's a lot of distance between these churches. So when they come together in cooperation, you know, there's still a lot of uncharted territory. So uh, so don't you know s- stop and and look at the percentage and think about it all in the same way. Uh, looking and seeing this increase to start getting uh, more money to the nations, you know, just just every little increase in a, a, a convention like this, it's just fantastic. Also, they elected some new officers for 2016-17. Paul Flores as the president and vice president Dan Shalmo and as the recording secretary Van McLean. So uh, congratulations to those. And moving on to Indiana, uh, celebrating Cecil Siegel in his last convention as the executive director of Indiana. Once again, he's retiring at the end of the year and Steve McNeil will be taking over as the interim director of the Indiana, uh, the state convention of Baptist in Indiana. Uh, They approved a $4.29 million budget and a 40% split of CP receipts onto the SBC for national and international causes. Yes, and uh, and that budget is a five point seven percent increase over uh, yeah. the twenty sixteen. Which is that's exciting amount. Yeah, it's a yeah. big jump. Yep, really exciting. Uh, so they uh, have elected the new president, Bruce Reynolds from uh, Muncie, and then a new slate of officers, first vice president, Roger Kenyon, second vice president, Randy Forsyth, and recording secretary, Sandy Irick, uh, a member of Van Avenue Baptist Church in Evansville. Nice to see uh, a woman on that. 
It is. It on is. that slate of officers. Uh, a big news item of note in this report from Indiana was the amending of church cooperation bylaws. Uh, which was approved overwhelmingly, and it says here the, the, the State Convention of Baptists in Indiana will make efforts to communicate with churches who have not met cooperation guidelines. Churches are considered in cooperation with the Indiana Baptist when they agree with three things. Baptist Faith and Message 2000. Mm-hmm. They give to the SBC Cooperative Program or the State Mission Offering. And thirdly, submit basic statistical information to the ACP. So uh, they, they kind of like a three-prong. you got, you got to check all three boxes uh, to be in cooperation, so to speak, with the Southern Baptist in Indiana. Very interesting. Um, how many states have that type of level for know. the ACP? I don't know. I, I like it. I, I think we need to know who you are. We need to be believing what we believe, and you need to be giving to what we give to. I, I like the I like the three prong approach. These are the three things that if I were a state convention and I was going to decide what a cooperating church looks like. These are three pretty solid cooperation guidelines uh, that state conventions can use. I, I don't have an issue with any one of these three. So we'll kind of keep an eye out and see if any other state conventions uh, follow this uh, this trend here. So um, be interested to see what kind of response they get from those states because uh, they're going to be meeting with uh, representatives will meet with churches in question to discuss any problems and determine whether the churches desire uh, to reaffirm cooperation. So are yeah. going to have guys go out and, and talk to churches that aren't, um, you know, cooperating? Yeah, I, th- I think that's really great to have the representatives able to to meet with churches, to be on the ground. Uh, and I'll be interested to see if we see some some changes uh, in their kind of their in how their stats look next year yeah. uh, with the ACP and how getting more people to report will really help understand what's going on in the state. It's, uh, it's important, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that and uh, see what happens. So wish them all the best there in Indiana. All right, some more news. Former Southern Baptist missionary, medical missionary, Rebecca Naylor, has been named a recipient of the 2016 American College of Surgeons Pfizer Surgical Humanitarian Award for her medical ministry to underserved populations. Rebecca Naylor is pretty much the first name in medical missions when it comes to the SBC. Uh, she serves as a healthcare consultant with Baptist Global Response right now, uh, but served for 35 years as a medical missionary for IMB and nearly 10 years on the faculty of the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center in Dallas and helped in the founding of a free medical clinic for the underserved and uninsured in Fort Worth, Texas. This goes on top of what she did as a international missionary over in India, where she trained more than 350 nurses she helped plant 90 churches while she was over in India uh, as a missionary for the, what was then the Foreign Mission Board. That's incredible. Um, very deserving of this award. She is still mobilizing, training people now. She still travels to India. Uh, this is just uh, incredible and uh, great, great news for her. Very exciting. All right. So now we have another piece of news for yeah, like one of one. our entities. Uh, Lifeway Christian Resources had a big milestone, uh, very specifically two people at Lifeway Christian Resources. The Rainer on Leadership podcast uh, surpassed 100,000 downloads per month, uh, and that meant 1 million total listeners on pace to reach 1.2 million listeners this year. That's a big milestone. It was, it was, uh, and and you mentioned for two people that's that's Dr. Rayner who Rayner on yes. leadership, and I also co-host 
yes. uh, that are host that one voice. with him. So you are the voice. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, let's just say that that podcast does a lot more traffic than this podcast. <laughs> Even I'm though I'm thinking, on both. I'm just thinking I have the right co-host and I'm waiting for our big milestone of a million listeners. Yeah, that'll that'll take a while, Amy. Uh, a little bit more narrow on this end of the spectrum uh, with the podcast. Okay, we have kind of a niche audience, but we love our listeners. We do, and they're awesome, all of them. Yes. And uh, we, we, we do have a few hundred of you that listen every week. Uh, you know, we're, we'll, we'll get to that 1,000 a, a week uh, milestone soon. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it, it's it's pretty neat to see that there are this many of uh, our listeners who are interested in the inner workings of the SPC uh, for the other 363 days of the year and not just those two days in June. So yes. uh, we do appreciate all of you listen and all of you who listen to Rainer on Leadership as well. Uh, yeah. that, that, it's been fun. We've done that for now uh, about three years, almost three and a half years now. And, yeah. uh, you know, just blowing and going. It's It's been amazing to watch the rise of that and, you know, it's been a little slower with this, obviously, with a, a little smaller audience, uh, a little more niche, as you could say. And uh, but it, it's been fun to even do this. So I, you know, I enjoy both podcasts equally, Amy. Oh, thank you. You you can you can choose Dr. Rayner over me. That's all right. Um, <laughs> but very exciting. And uh, Dr. Rayner says in this uh, Baptist Press article that you you guys are reaching about 265,000 churches in the U.S., all uh, denominations, sizes, lots of different things. So what a great ministry uh, to the church. So it, it's been fun to, to watch that and be a part of that as it's as it's grown. So uh, congratulations again to Dr. Rayner, uh, because trust me, they're not coming for the voice. They're coming for uh, the mind of uh, Tom Rayner. So well, uh, that's, I, that's pretty cool. You know, if they were going, if they were coming to the podcast for the voice, then we would be at a million listeners. Bye. Yes, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, and that that's proof that they're coming to this podcast for you, not for me. <laughs> so, I, I think we all know whose name's first on this byline. Amy Whitfield. All right. Speaking so, of women, speaking of in women in leadership, <laughs> yes, perfect segue. Yeah. The Women's Ministry Advisory Council reported recently uh, they met in Atlanta for a couple of days and talked about the status of their survey. They've had 3,300 women respond to that survey. You can find out more about that survey at sbcthisweek.com. Uh, we've got a link to that survey at SBC This Week. We talked about the survey before when it launched. Yes. Now uh, they're asking for more and more information. So if you haven't filled out the survey, we encourage you to do so. Yeah, please do. It doesn't take a long time, but the questions are, are really great. Uh, I filled it out. I, a lot of my friends and coworkers and uh, students at Southeastern uh, filled it out. This is just a great opportunity uh, that, that people are listening and really wanting uh, to know and understand the types of the types of things that that women need to be able to uh, to develop and grow, and so this is uh, this is a very good opportunity. We'll uh, like Jonathan said, we'll drop that link in and encourage uh, any women who have not taken that survey to please do so. All right, final pieces of news this week: a couple of roundups from a couple of conferences that happened recently. The For the Church Conference at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary up in Kansas City, as well as the Pipeline Conference that was held here last week in Nashville at Lifeway. A couple of recaps of those conferences from uh, Baptist Press. I heard great things about both, so I think the the audio and video of both are available online if you want to check those out. So uh, visit the links at sbcthisweek.com to the recaps of those. You can find out more about those at their respective websites as well. Uh, but I, I heard great things about both of them. Didn't get to get to either one of them because I was out of town for one yeah. and, 
and the other was, uh, you know, I just couldn't make it up to Midwestern for that one this year. But uh, I heard great things about both of them. So uh, I, I, I venture to say, Amy, that we're at a time when our SBC entities are putting on better conferences than at any time in history of the SBC. Yeah, it, uh, probably so. And I mean, we we have a kind of a more conference culture now yeah. uh, than ever before, and more people are able to get to them uh, or to get access to them. Uh, but we do have some really great, great, great yeah. things going on. Great but speakers. The standard of excellence from our conferences, at, yes, you know, at our entities is just absolutely amazing. I know you guys just kill it with the Nine Marks Conference every year, and, and the different ones that you guys have. I know Southern seems like they have a conference almost every weekend up there and in Louisville uh, and just some great things coming out of there. The, the send conference last year, what we went to was just over the top amazing that NAM and IMB put on. So, I mean, just some great conferences from all of our SBC entities. And uh, it's, it's, it's a good time to be a conference goer in the SBC. Yes. All right. That's going to do it for the news this week. That's going to bring us to my favorite part of the week, Amy. It's this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right, so uh, we actually have a few things in this one. We're going to take it back to 1996, 20 years ago. Um, and uh, I was in college at this time. I was in we're, high school. We're, okay, yes. Because I'm cause, younger than you. Yeah, when you had your birthday this week, you were not 40. So I was a, I was a college student, and it was also a, a, a very unique and exciting time in America as we were in the midst of a presidential election like we are yep. now. Clinton uh, versus just like now. Yes, yes, actually. Uh, it was uh, Clinton-Gore versus Dole Kemp. Um, so uh, Senator Robert Dole from Kansas and uh, Senator Jack Kemp. Uh, who were uh, running on the Republican ticket. I was a big supporter, had a Dole Kemp bumper sticker on my red Mustang. Now, hold on. You you had a red Mustang? I did. I that had a is red the Mustang. least Amy Woodfield car I think you could possibly have driven. Well, I loved my red Mustang, um, it, but uh, it was uh, my second car. My first car was probably more Amy Whitfield, as you would say. Yeah. My first car was a 1971 orange uh, Volkswagen Beetle. So probably fit, more like it. Yeah, fit my personality like a little bit more. Just a bit. Yes, but the second car was a red Mustang. And uh, in 1996 uh, until about 1999, I guess, when I uh, didn't have it anymore, um, it had a Dole Kemp bumper sticker on it. And uh, I was big, big fan, big supporter. Well, there's an interesting article in the Baptist Press by Tom Strote, who continues to write for them. Uh, and it's an analysis right after the second debate. So here's the very interesting part. The headline is, Dole falters on moral issues, religious conservatives say. So, lest our memories be too short, we uh, many of the discussions that we have uh, today are not new. There's nothing new under the sun. We have been having these conversations for a while. So um, they uh, the, it, it began with um, any hope Bob Dole had of mobilizing evangelical Christians whose support has been critical uh, for Republican presidential candidates in the last four elections seemed to fall in his final debate with President Clinton. Uh, so in his October 6th debate, he had not mentioned uh, sort of the two most important issues uh, to uh, evangelicals, which is abortion and homosexual rights. 
Um, well, then in the October 16th debate, which that is the one that was being sort of commented on now, it says that they still gave him, uh, as it said, failing marks. He stumbled because he was asked how to he was asked to explain how he would return the country to godly principles and kind of got uh, hung up on the issue. He failed to mention um, partial birth abortion, even though uh, they thought he would do so. Uh, some of the discussion about uh, the, the issues surrounding homosexuality at that time. Um, he, uh, he, he was describing them as um, special rights instead of equal rights. I think there was some question about that. It was very, very interesting. Of course, in this article, um, they had, were, were certainly critical of Bill Clinton, but just didn't feel like uh, Senator Dole had really done, you know, what they wanted to address these issues head on. That sounds familiar. Well, yes. So there's an interesting quote in here. Um, it's by Will Dodson, who was the director of government relations for the Christian Life Commission, which was the precursor to uh, the ERLC. And uh, Will Dodson said, President Clinton and Senator Dole both had a perfect opportunity to clarify for the American people their philosophies of morality and how they relate to a strong society and to address issues related to their own character. When posed with accusations about his own character, President Clinton chose to ignore the issue. I think it was appropriate for Senator Dole to raise the issue of character in this race. The Bible taken as a whole emphasizes the importance of holiness or righteousness to God. The history revealed in the Bible and history in general reveal a stark contrast between nations who are led by godly leaders and nations who are not. And then he said that Dole's campaign has been shy about addressing the great moral issues which divide our nation. We need leaders who will unashamedly and passionately defend the sanctity of every human life and who will clearly state that right is right and wrong is wrong. Uh, so very interesting quotes there. The, the article is um, is lengthy, and so there's a lot of details in it. I would encourage you to go and look at that. But just very interesting to demonstrate um, we were talking about these types of things uh, in elections of the past. And uh, so in some ways, it didn't necessarily start this week in SBC history, but it was certainly happening this week in SBC history. But wait, but there's wait, more. there's more. When you go to this uh, particular issue of Baptist Press, there's another important this week in SBC history, which is much more even SBC centric, we would say. Uh, so this is in 1996. Remember, this is 20 years ago. Uh, the headline is SBC prayer and fasting thrust now is interdenominational. And it was um, about a, uh, a step toward spiritual revival in the Southern Baptist Convention talking about a week-long emphasis initiated by Arkansas pastor Ronnie Floyd. Floyd. Yes. So it's a great article all about um, Dr. Floyd had given the convention sermon at the SBC annual meeting in New Orleans that year and had sort of laid out this, uh, this emphasis on spiritual awakening and uh, personal church and national revival. Does this sound familiar? It sounds quite familiar. Yes, it this does. This is like his, uh, his, his life message. It is. So um, 
so you read this article and it just talks about kind of a plan that he had, some things that he was doing, working with uh, James Dobson, with Bill Bright, lots of, uh, lots of other leaders, and that he's really pointing toward, he said, the convention at large, despite 17 years of conservative redirection, needs a spiritual awakening, that the convention needed a fresh touch from God that would result in repentance and reconciliation. Um, that only brokenness and repentance before God can rescue America. Uh, and, and these are, this is a message that we have heard um, from him. And so one thing we need to, to recognize is, as you said, this is really his life message. Um, he's been pointing us in this direction for a long time. Uh, so what we have heard and, and the way that he led us the last few years to really turn our eyes toward this, or really kind of turn our faces uh, toward uh, desiring spiritual awakening, um, it kind of started also uh, this week in SBC history. Yes, so it, it, this is amazing because some of these lines, I think I've actually heard him say over yeah. the past couple of years in, in some of his things. So I, I guess people that are more familiar with Dr. Floyd's uh, speaking have probably heard him more than I have, uh, you know, because I, I don't hear him as much as, as others. Uh, but, you know, my friend, the churches of this denomination need a mighty God-sent Holy Ghost revival. I mean, that is that is straight yeah. out of the, uh, the the Ronnie Floyd quote book, uh, so to speak. So it's pretty cool to see that, you know, this is this is not something that he just kind of conjured up for a couple of years. This has been a, a lifelong message uh, right. that he's had. And, and, and I would agree with his lifelong message as well. Yes, and I think it will continue to be, and yes. so uh, we're gonna we're gonna see this. And he has celebrated a big milestone uh, this yes. week. Well, thirty years. Congratulations yes. to Ronnie Floyd. Thirty years at Cross Church, what was then First Baptist Springdale, uh, which is now Cross Church in in many locations yeah. in the Northwest Arkansas area. So, uh, congratulations, Dr. Floyd, on your thirty years there. We wish you and Gina all the best uh, as you guys are celebrating. Uh, this week. So I saw some tweets and some pictures about that this week. So uh, that's exciting stuff. So yep, congratulations cool. again, Dr. Floyd. Very cool. And he's a, he's a good friend of the pod too. So one uh, of our listen. soon to be 1 million listeners. Yes. One of our 1 million listeners <laughs> that are coming soon. Yes. So, all right, that's going to do it for this week in SBC history. Uh, and that brings us to our resources of the week. Before we get to that, want to once again, thank I am going the new book from Bruce Ashford and Danny Aiken. Uh, available at LifeWay.com and at your local LifeWay Christian store. Uh, pick that up and uh, find out how you can get your church going uh, on the mission of God. So uh, resource of the week, Amy, your resource of the week is? Mine is a, a fairly new book. It was uh, came out in May by Andrew Christopher Smith. It is part of a series called America's Baptists that is edited by uh, Dr. Keith Harper, um, who's a history professor here at Southeastern Seminary. And uh, this particular volume is called Fundamentalism, Fundraising, and the Transformation of the Southern Baptist Convention, 1919 to 1925. Well, that which, would be about the cooperative program. Yes, it is about the cooperative program. So it's really just talking about um, exploring kind of the interaction between Southern Baptists and early fundamentalism during the late 1910s and early 1920s. 1920s, um, and uh, how it really influenced uh, denominational organizations. So I heard about this and ordered it immediately. It just came, arrived at my house just a few days ago. So I can't wait to crack this one open. All right, see, I was going to make fun of you because it sounded kind of nerdy at first whenever you started talking about history books. Yep. But it actually sounds really good. 
So because I can't you. that's right. Because to people like you and me, a history book about the cooperative program sounds kind of fun. <laughs> and and yes, we are kind of nerdy. Um, so maybe it is actually nerdy, and but I just can't make fun of you because I'm right there with you. All right, my resource of the week is The Expected One from Scott James, good friend of the pod down at Brook Hills. He's a doctor down in the Birmingham area and has written an Advent devotional. And you may be wondering, Jonathan, why are you recommending Advent devotionals in October? Because I just wrote a post on Christmas and Facebook today, and it's got me thinking about that, even though we haven't even gotten to Halloween yet. So pick up The Expected One. You can uh, get a box of 20 of those for just $5 a piece uh, per book. If you want to pick up those at Lifeway or Lifeway.com, you can find out more about that. And uh, I would encourage you, get these Get them as a church, buy a box or two, hand them out to parents, have them do devotions with their kids all through the Advent season as we celebrate the coming Christ. Uh, you got about four or five weeks to get that lined up and squared away before Advent starts right after Thanksgiving. So you'd want to kind of get those out before Thanksgiving so people have them because they may be traveling right after Thanksgiving. But that's when Advent starts this year. So uh, the expected one by Scott James. Very cool. I know you've got a big weekend this weekend. You got the big Getty concert tomorrow night there. Yep. Uh, we also have uh, some state convention meetings coming. I know we keep getting those reports in, so uh, should be a, an exciting week in the life of the SBC. Yes, I can't wait for the concert tomorrow night. It will be fun. Uh, they're going to sing the hymn that they wrote uh, for Southeastern for the cause, and I'm very certain that we'll see some good banter uh, between Keith Getty and Dr. Aiken. Uh, as yes, he, he does a pretty good Danny Aiken impersonation. He does. He does. It's almost as good as mine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen, I haven't seen yours. Maybe you could do it for the podcast one day and we can send it to him. We'll see. We'll see. No, I like my a, job. That's code. That's Amy code for heck no. I like so, my job. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again for joining us this week on SBC this week. We'll see you next week. See you next week.